Well, praise the Lord. I am excited to preach this message tonight. And I'm going to stay by it within my parameters here so Carver don't get mad at me, okay? But I can get excited right here where I'm at. I'm excited to preach this message because this morning we kind of talked about this a little bit. And I'm going to get all into it tonight, okay? Um, the message title is, Do You Love Him? Amen? That's the message title. It's a question. Do you love him? Because there's no doubt in Scripture that God loves us. The problem is not that God doesn't love us. The problem is we didn't love God. The problem was those who don't know God don't love God and are not seeking after God. Amen? The problem is not God. The problem, as always, is us. Amen? So I, I titled this message, Do You Love Him? And I did that for several reasons, but there's a reason that we kind of tied the last song into this. It says, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. So we're going to go to the scripture that deals with this verse, or with that, with that song, the verse of scripture that goes with the verse of that song. How about that? We're going to go and deal with that. It's in 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to read quite a bit out of John 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read quite a bit, starting at verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know God, be, uh, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we love, have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that the love that God has for us, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we have, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment, because as he is, also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who, for he who does not love his brother whom he can see, cannot love God whom he cannot see. Amen? And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now I'm going to stop. We're going to go regurgitate this for a minute, okay? That's probably not the right, you know, palatable word, but we're going to go hash this out a little more, okay? God loved me first. Amen? Verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Now, uh, we're going to get to this in a minute, but I want to give you this nugget. You can hold on to it till we get there. But our love for God is born out of his love for us. Amen? Therefore, if I have not received and recognized God's love for me, how then is the love of God born in me? Amen? I'm not going to love you because I don't even know what love is. Understand? So there's much more than just talk. Amen? Love is not just, hey Ruth, I love you. It's, hey Ruth, I love you, and now I'm going to show you. Amen? If all you did for Mike, Judy, was tell him that you loved him, and you never did anything to show it, do you think he'd believe you? Okay. Why? What? Why? It's an action word, but here's the thing. Her love for you compels her to show you that she loves you. Do you understand? If she didn't love you, it would be very evident. Amen? And we have a law, we have a whole generation of Christians who say I love God, but nothing in their actions shows that they love God. Nothing in what they do shows that God is first in their life, that God is a priority in their life. You see what I mean? We've got to get to a point where we understand the difference between a head knowledge of who God is and an actual heart change that compels me to live for God. Amen? Because God and believing in Christ is not just head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge that transforms my actions. Amen? Yeah. Come on. So I'm going to start from the beginning of this in verse 7. I want to read what my ESV uh, study Bible says here on this verse. It says, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. This does not rule out the need for faithful confession of Christ. Chapter 2, verse 23. Chapter 4, verse 2. And the ethical integrity, chapter 3, verse 16, but love completes the picture of a life 
in fellowship with God. Love is presented here as a consequence of and not a precondition for being born again of God. Let me say that again. Love here is presented as a consequence of the born again experience, not a precondition of being born again. You understand what I'm saying? Love is the result of the born again experience. You don't love to obtain the born again experience. You see what I'm saying? Love is born out of the born again experience. You understand that? Why doesn't the world love God? Because they're not born again. Why doesn't the world seek after God? Because they're not born again. Why doesn't the world live their life for God? Because they're not born again. Therefore, I can't love God until I'm born again. And I can't fully and truly love my brother until I'm born again. Understand? So love is a consequence or a uh, uh, the result of the born again experience. In other words, it's a fruit. Amen? Love and loving God, loving people is going to be a fruit of the born again experience. Amen? It's not a precondition. In other words, I don't I said it. I don't make a list and say, okay, you guys got to love your brother before you can be saved. You see what I mean? That's not a precondition to salvation. Because we're saved by what? Grace. Saved by grace through faith. Amen. We can't get around that. We can't get around that salvation is the work of God in my heart and in my life. Amen. So anything good that's ever comes out of Kevin is going to be born out of the born again experience. Amen. So let's look at this some more. He says, he says, let us love one another. Love for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Notice that he said, whoever loves has been born of God. Notice that he doesn't say he who loves will be born of God. He said he has been born of God, past tense. Understanding that love is part of what happens in the regenerate, born-again experience when we are transformed. What's the Bible say? Any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen? The born-again experience changes my heart, changes my desires, changes the things that I think are important. Amen? It ought to bear consequence in my life to where I'm changed. Amen? That's what we're talking about. Verse 8, evidence. This is evidence in verse 8. Watch this. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Evidence of no change in the inward part of a man. That's what I put in my notes. This is evidence of no change inwardly. God is love. Verse 8 is telling us if you don't love, then you're not born of God. In other words, the way I love God, the way I love people, will be a direct representation of whether or not I really am born again. It's going to be the evidence that a change has taken place. Amen? 
It's going to be the evidence that something in me changed. Amen. Where I used to hate so-and-so, now I love them and pray for them. Where I used to uh, uh, be a drunkard and a, a, and a carouser, now I'm a faithful husband who does everything I can for my wife. Amen. These are the kinds of changes that we're talking about. But if you look at modern Christianity, they don't seem to have this expectation to see something different. Amen. They just kind of, you know, you just, you're, you're kind of messed up and, and, you know, you're all right, Mike. You just need to add a little bit of Jesus on there and then you'll be perfect. No, that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't I can be just who I am and get, you know, get Jesus and never have an expectation of change. That's not biblical. Amen. What we're seeing in John 4 is evidences of whether I'm changed. Because the heart doesn't lie. Just like if Judy didn't really love Mike, she wouldn't show Mike, and Mike wouldn't know. The Judy don't love me. She ain't really in this relationship. She ain't really. You, you see what I mean? We've got to understand God doesn't want some live-in, uh, huh? Yeah, God doesn't want some live-in friends with benefits. He doesn't want somebody that's just there because they feel like they have to be there. He wants somebody there because they're born again and they want to be there. And a real, true, born-again person will want to live for God. They'll want to be involved in the things of God. They'll want to do what their father asks them to do. It's not a question of if. Well, what if somebody isn't doing it? If they're not doing it, they need to pray and look at their life. Paul says, let a man examine himself to see if he be in the faith. Amen. It's not up to me to judge all your fruit. You've got to be spiritually awake enough to go, you know, do I have any of this stuff in my life? Amen. Where am I falling? And we're not, we're not, I'm not bad mouthing people who fall short. We all fall short. Amen. None of us are perfect. None of us are at the end of our sanctification. But what I'm talking about is when people are one way when they get saved and or and I'm going to use quotation marks, air quotes. People are one way before they get saved. And then they don't change when they do get saved. They prayed a prayer. They came forward at the altar call. But nothing else in their life changes other than they say, I love Jesus and I know him. I prayed that prayer. But nothing else in their life changes. That's a huge problem because it has the implications of two things. Number one, maybe they ain't saved. Maybe, they didn't, maybe they're not where they thought they were. Or number two, and maybe this is the fault of the pastor or the church leadership or the brothers and sisters in Christ who don't want to be around each other, maybe they are saved, but no one in their life when they come to the saving knowledge of Christ gave them an understanding that they need to be committed to following Christ in every way. Amen? 
Maybe it really wasn't explained to them. Maybe they need some shepherding, some love, some compassion from brothers and sisters in Christ who will say, hey, that's not right, but I'll help you. I'll walk with you till you get it right. Amen? We're not throwing them out the door. We're not throwing them out of church. We're just wanting to help. Amen? But we live in a modern-day Christianity where it's all about me, my own personal walk with Christ. And, you know, you church folks, you ain't got no reason to say anything to me. That's not biblical either. We're accountable one to another. Amen? The pastor of the church is accountable to everybody in the church. You understand that? Why does the pastor need to do all these things that he spells out in, you know, 1 Timothy chapter 3? Because his life is going to be under a microscope. And he better be living what he's preaching. Amen? But that doesn't just apply to me as the pastor. It applies to every single believer. We need to practice what we preach. Amen? All right, let me keep going before I get lost here. Uh, verse 10. I'm going to skip down to verse 10. He says, in this love... Not in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a propitiation for our sin. Will you please turn with me to Romans chapter 3? I just want to show you the consistency in Paul's letters, okay? Roman chapter 3, okay? This is who we all are. Before Christ, amen? Every one of us. Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside, and together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. Amen? It's the word of God. Amen? Go back to John. I want to read this one more time, okay? Now that we got some context, from what Paul is talking about, because we understand that Paul and John are preaching the same gospel, correct? Right. They're not preaching two different gospels. They got the same gospel. Amen. Paul went back and confirmed with Peter and them, told them everything he was preaching, and they laid hands on him and confirmed him, correct? That's what we find in the book of Acts. Okay? Paul preached the same message. So we got to understand this. Now watch the consistency of Scripture. In this is love, not that we have loved God. Why? Because no one seeks after God. No one is righteous, not one. Amen? So none of us are seeking after God without God's help anyway. Amen? We've all got to have the Spirit of God to be willing to run after God. Amen? That's an effect. That's an action. Do you understand that once you're born again, it's not going to be, I, I, I will not have to, to, to beg and plead with folks to come and be involved. You see what I mean? 
And it could be folks that say, well, I've been in church all my life. Well, I love you. But right now, your tree looks like it ain't got no fruit on it, okay? I'm just telling you. I'm not being mean. I'm just looking at you going, I can't see it. You know, if it was there at one point, it should still bloom something out every once in a while, you know? That's what we're wanting. And I'm not doing it so that, you know, we can pad the numbers of the church and get offerings. I'm doing it because I want believers to really be living their life for Christ. Amen. And, and I want people who are coming, if they're not really believers, to be able to know the difference between just having some head knowledge about Jesus and having some real heart knowledge that changes who I am. Amen? That's what we want. That's what we want. Skip down here to verse 13. He says, by this, what's he talking about? By this. Anytime you see by this, you got to go back and read the verse before that, right? Let's go to verse, let's go back to verse 11 and 12, okay? Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Now watch this. By this, we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. Here's a note for you. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, verse 23. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Notice the very first one. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Amen? Do you see this? He said, by this we'll know we're born of Him. Amen? Let's, I'm going to go back to John. You stay right there in Galatians for a minute, and I'm going to go to John. I'm going to read this to you again, okay? Till it sinks in all the way to you. Till your mind goes, aha! Okay? When you get it, say, aha! Because I'm going to say this again. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Notice that he said in the verse before, no one ever seen God. If we love one another, though, we know that God abides in us. Amen. That's what verse uh, 12 says. Or yeah, verse 12, he said, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And then he says, by this know we that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. Notice the born again experience is the reason that they're loving. This is how I'm going to know that God abides in me. God isn't going to abide in a sinner who isn't repentant. God's not going to abide in an unsaved person, correct? 
So if God abides in me, the evidence of God abiding in me is that I love one another. You see this? Now it's the aha moment because if I have the spirit of God and the fruit of the spirit, which the very first one is love, the fruit of the spirit, what's that mean? That is the evidence that I have the spirit of God, that he abides in me. The very first thing is love. Amen? How you love people will tell everyone who you are. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, by the love that you bear one for another. Well, why would he say that? Because anyone who loves is born of God. Amen? And no one who, no one is going to be born of God who does not love. Put that in perspective. If you're born of God, you'll love. If you're not born of God, you're, you might love occasionally. You might be able to show bits and pieces of love, but you're not going to love like the Spirit of God can make Christians love their enemies. We'll get to that in a minute. Verse 13, where he talks about, by this we'll know that we abide in him and he abides in us because he has given us his spirit. This is evidence that the Spirit of God or that God himself has taken up residence in us. That's what he says. He that loves has been born of God. Isn't that what it said in the first three verses? Anyone who loves is born of God. That means the born again part has to happen first. And then the love comes in. So you're not even going to be able to do the two greatest commandments until you're born again. They ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And there's a second liking unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This comes not, this isn't a, this isn't a, 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 a verse or a, 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 a parable that Jesus told out of the blue. This is a verse of scripture. That, the, that term, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, that's part of the Levitical law. Nothing new under the sun. Amen? Jesus wasn't coming to do some miraculous, brand new, unheard of thing. He was showing them how the law and grace were supposed to work together. Amen? The law is there to show me that I'm a sinner and I need God's help. The law is there to show me that I'm not perfect, but I need an absolute perfect sacrifice that I have a need for God to save me because I will never be able to live up to that expectation without God's help. You understand? Never. That the Israelites never once kept the law. The Israelites never once kept the law perfect. There was only one person who was able to keep all of the law. His name was Jesus Christ. Why? Because 
man are fallen, broken, desperately wicked beings that need saving. That's the truth. Amen? Let's go to verse 17 in this chapter. John chapter, First uh, John chapter 4, verse 17. We're going to skip down to verse 17. He says this again. He says, by this. Uh-oh, now I'm going to have to go back. We read verse 13. Let's read 14, 15, and 16. He said, and we have seen and testified that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now watch this. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Okay, I want to read this out of my uh, uh, ESV study Bible, okay? This verse here, verse 15, it says, Jesus is the Son of God, not in the derivative sense that all Christians as God's children are adopted sons and heirs, <coughs> excuse me, but in the unique sense that the Son of God in which Jesus is acknowledged as personally divine and sharing fully every attribute of God. It was required in 1 John 4 and 2, it was required that true teachers affirm Christ's full humanity. And now here it is required that they affirm also his full deity. So when we say we acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, we're not just saying, hey, somebody says, oh, Jesus is Lord. What we're saying is, they understand that Jesus wasn't just a good guy that lived back 2,000 years ago that, that you know, met with some uh, heinous end and then God raised him from the dead. No, Jesus was not just a man who lived that life. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was the third person of the Trinity. He existed before he ever was formed in Mary's womb. Do you understand? That only the body, the earthly body of Christ was formed in the womb. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has all, always existed. Never once in the history of all eternity has Jesus Christ not existed. He was eternally with the Father. Okay, this is what scripture teaches. This is what the Old Testament teaches. That he was always with God. Amen. Never once was he not God. Amen. This is the acknowledging that we're talking about. Not just that Jesus was a man who lived. That's all fine and dandy. We got a lot of Christians that fully accept Jesus was a guy that, and I'm going to say Christians with quotes again, okay? Because if you only believe that Jesus was just some good guy that lived a long time ago, but you don't acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. The only begotten of the Father, second in the Godhead, Jesus as the Son of God. You see what I'm saying? Notice what he says. He says right here in verse uh, 17, by this, or verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. 
The implications to this statement are far more than just, I accept that Jesus was a guy that lived a long time ago. This is saying, I understand that Jesus was God in the flesh. That he was the Alpha, the Omega. That he was the great I Am, wrapped in a dirt suit. You understand? There's much more than just, I believe he existed. Amen? It's even much more than just, I believe he did this for me. It's more than just, I believe Jesus died for me. It's understanding who it was that gave up their life for me. It's understanding who it was that laid down their life and picked it back up again. Notice that Jesus had the power to lay his life down. And he had the lot, the power, the authority to pick it back up. In other words, Jesus willingly, God in the flesh, willingly laid down his glory and suffered and died. But when he rose from the dead, picked his glory right back up. That's why we read, that's why we read this morning. In, in Timothy, where he says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Amen? Amen? The idea is understanding Christ and who he is. Amen? Amen. Verse 18 talks about the, you know, how love casts out perfect fear. What fear is he talking about? He's talking about the fear of final judgment. As a believer... The love of God being evidence that God is in me drives out the fear that I might have about my own death and my own judgment. Because I understand who it is that saves me and I can rest in peace understanding he who promised is faithful. Amen. Finally, we love him because he first loved us. In other words, the born again experience where I understand who Christ is. Notice that this doesn't happen. Me understanding who Jesus is, is a gift from God. You realize that, right? Jesus was asking his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? Some say, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say John the Baptist. Some say one of the other prophets. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said something very profound. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. The born again experience of understanding who Jesus is comes from God. He changes my heart opens my eyes, wakes up my dead soul from sin and makes me alive in him. You understand that? Ephesians 2, but you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Hath he quickened and made alive in Christ Jesus? That's the born again experience where God reveals to me who his son really is and in that born-again experience, God deposits himself 
his love, his understanding of the great reconciliation that he did for me and in me. And then all of a sudden, love is birthed out in me and it causes me to want to show God. Just like love wants to cause Judy to show Mike that she loves him. Just like Mike's love for Judy compels Mike to show Mike that he loves her. You understand? That's great stuff, isn't it? My question isn't, does God love you? That's evident. The question is, do you love him? Now, people get all up in arms over this, okay? I want to go to the book of John, chapter 21. And we're going to close here in just a minute. I know I'm preaching a whole Sunday morning message on Sunday night. But this is good stuff, and I wanted you to have it. How many are happy it's Sunday night, and we're here listening to God's word being preached? Amen? John chapter 21, and we're going to start at verse 15. Very familiar portion of scripture. And I'm sure Peter got all beside himself when Jesus started asking this. Matter of fact, we're going to read that Peter did. When they had finished up breakfast, Jesus said unto Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him a third time, and he said to him, tend my sheep. Then he said unto him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now watch this. Watch this. Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will, be, you will stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He, this he said to show by what manner of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Notice that all the actions in living our life for Christ, all the words that are associated with us living our life for Christ are action words. Follow me. Come after me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Amen. All these things are action words. Amen. Love is an action word. He asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. His love had an expectation from Peter. Amen? He didn't want to just hear him say, I love you. He said, okay, if you love me, feed my sheep. Amen? He said it three times. And then he said, follow me. Amen? Let's flip back to John 14. Flip back to John 14. This is good stuff. This is really good stuff. We need it. I think I want to start 
at verse 18. Now, let's start at verse 15. Watch this. This is very important because this is Jesus saying something that sounds oddly familiar to chapter 21 of John. If you love me, what? You will keep my commandments. Uh-oh. When I read this, I started thinking, Lord, what commandments? I'm going to get to that in a minute. Let's keep reading this, okay? If you love me, keep, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Notice that the world cannot receive the spirit of truth. Why? Because you have to be born again. And you have, the evidence of the born-again experience is what? That I'm changed and love abides in me. Amen? Notice that the world cannot receive the Spirit. Okay? This is important. He said, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world, we will see, you will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and he who loves me, and I will love him, manifest myself to him. And I'm going to stop. Now let's read two more. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest to us and not to the world? Jesus said unto him, answered him, he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come, unto, come to him and make our home with him. For whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. This is important. He who loves me keeps my commandments. I got to thinking, is he talking about the law? Surely not. We're not under the law. Under grace, right? How about these commandments? Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Come on. You're, you're on the right track now, Mike. You're on the right track now. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn unto him also the other. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. 
For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's a big words. So when I was thinking, what commandments is he talking about? He's talking about this stuff. He's talking about the things that he taught while he was on this earth. He was talking about everything we can read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's talking about that. Keep his words. Keep his law. What's the law of Christ? Love. Amen? Those who are born of God love. Those who are not born of God, they don't love because they don't know God. Amen? Jesus said, you heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, I'm telling you, if you're going to be really mine, you're going to love your enemies. You're going to love each other. You're going to love God. You understand this? Love is the principal thing. Now abide faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Amen? Finally, we're going to end in Matthew chapter 22. This is going to be the last verse I read. We're closing. Right now. I know it's been a long sermon for a Sunday night. Everybody's going, Pastor, you're preaching like you're preaching on Sunday morning. Good. More people show up, we'll get more people in, involved. Amen? Matthew 23, uh, 23. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is likened unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. Amen? All the law and all the prophets hinge on two things. Loving God and loving people. And we just clarified, this cannot be done outside of the born-again experience. You seeing that? Are you seeing that? I got to be saved to even be able to attempt to accomplish these two things. Amen? I've got to put my faith that Christ is going to change me and make me born again. Or I will never, ever be able to love God, let alone love my neighbor. I must be born again. Nicodemus, John chapter 3. Nicodemus was a teacher. The, matter of fact, it says he was the teacher of Israel. Do you know what that means? He was the leading, he was the leading uh, teacher, the leading uh, what rabbi in all of Israel. Nicodemus was the teacher of Israel. And Jesus looked at him and said, you must 
born again. It's not enough to know about God. It's not enough to know the law. It's not enough to know that I have to do these things and I have to do that. The reality is without the born again experience, I will never be good enough. I will never be able to accomplish what God wants me to accomplish. Matter of fact, the gospel is this. I will never be able to be good enough. I will never be able to accomplish my salvation at all. That's the gospel. So if the teacher, the teacher of Israel had to be born again, every other person has to be born again. Amen. No one's going to be able to love God and love people like our sign says until they first come to know the love of God. That he sent his son to be a propitiation, substitute sacrifice. And understand that Jesus is the son of the living God. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and we'll close. I thought I'd get an amen out of Carter on that. <laughs> you sleeping? Praise the Lord. So, beloved, I want to, I'm just asking this question for people on Facebook. I'm asking this pet, uh, question for people that might listen to the podcast. I know everybody in this room. And I am pretty certain that all of you are believers, okay? So the question I'm asking may not be directly to you, but if it is, be sure you don't walk out of here without making sure that you can answer this question. Do you love him? Because the reality is the born-again experience will cause me to love God. Amen? I won't have to be made to. I won't have to be prodded. Or I'll love God because I'll know who he is. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you, Lord, for those that are in this room that do know you, God. I thank you, Lord, for those who may be watching and listening that do know you. Lord, I pray that you would just solidify in their heart that love. And help them to grow in that love. Help them to grow in their sanctification to where they can love those around them. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you that may listen to this. I pray that they would hear the gospel message. That none of them are righteous. That they cannot save themselves. That it is impossible for them to love God or to love people. Until they first come to know the God who loved them sent his only begotten son to die and pay the price for their sin and rose from the dead to justify their putting faith in him. Lord, we ask that you would save, that you would draw, and that you would win those who would believe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys.